Glad to have you here with us today. I would like you to come sit down. Yeah, please. Again, in case you didn't understand what Mr. Puppet was saying, if you are a member here at LifeQuest, you have joined and committed to LifeQuest as your home church. Uh, not just that you attend here, but you actually you attended a membership class and you have a walking stick. Next Sunday is our annual business meeting, and it, we're going to be going over our annual report, and we're going to be, there's just one uh, item to be voting on. Uh, Matt Pascarella has been uh, nominated to serve another three-year uh, term on the church council, and so we would be uh, asking for you as a member to say yes or no to allowing Matt to continue to serve. And if you're not going to be here next week and you are a member, please come get a copy of the annual report um, so that you can be aware of what's going on. I emailed it out to everyone on the mailing list. Uh, I will be uh, completely transparent. Check your spam filter to uh, see if you're getting it. I, MailChimp lets me know how many people have actually seen the email and opened the email and clicked on the link. And, uh, and then it sends me reports on how well that email does. And right now we're at 61% of the people that are on our mailing list have not opened the email. So that means you got the email and you're like, oh, it's from Pastor Rob, delete. Um, or it, it came in and you haven't checked your email. Or it came in and it went to your spam folder and you don't even know that I sent you an email. So if you would like to uh, check that to make sure that you have got, I'm going to send the email out again uh, one more time. And what I'm asking you to do is to read the annual report before you get here next Sunday uh, so that we're not spending a lot of time uh, going over the report and that as we're having discussion and conversation, you can actually engage in conversation because you're not reading the report for the first time sitting there. Does that make sense? Does that make it kind of? Awesome. Thank you. So again, if you're a member and you're not going to be here next week, Come and see me, and I'll get you a copy of the annual report. Um, and then also give me a, an absentee ballot. I know Mr. Puppet was having trouble pronouncing that word. Uh, absentee ballot, that you're not going to be here, but you would like to your vote to be counted next Sunday uh, for our church council uh, election. That would be fantastic. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your extravagant love. Thank you that when we didn't deserve it, that when we didn't earn it, that we didn't maybe even want it, you loved us. You loved us first. And you loved us and still love us extravagantly. Lord, I pray that this morning you would help us to understand that maybe a little bit better, that you would empower us to be agents of your extravagant love to a, a lost and broken world. Lord, that you would fill us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I, I'm going to make a promise. Uh, I'm going to share a story. I may have shared this story before. Uh, the promise is that I will probably share it again um, because I'm over 50 now and I can't remember half the time if I told the story before. I have officially become my grandfather, uh, that I'm, I tell stories over and over and over again. Um, the, 
series that we're in, Fruits of the Spirit, comes inspired out of a moment where God spoke to my heart in, uh, in the fall, in October. And I was in the mountains in Colorado, and it was, um, it was dark. All the other guys in my group, they were in, their, uh, in the amazing uh, retreat centers where we were bunked up for the weekend. I was out in my hammock. Right. And uh, it, was, it was cold, but it wasn't too terribly cold. And there was not a cloud in the sky. And so here I am at probably ten to 15,000 feet up in the mountains in the Rockies of Colorado. And there's not a cloud in the sky, so the stars are just overwhelming. And I look off to my left and just up over the edge of the mountain crest uh, to where I was looking to my left, the Big Dipper was just sitting there in all of its glory. And it was just amazing. And I know I've shared this story before about my wife will ask me all of these deep questions because she goes deep. And, and she will commonly, uh, frequently ask people What's your greatest fear? And many times I don't really want to share what my deepest fear is because sometimes my deepest fear is her. Um, asking, asking these questions is terrifying to me. And so I'll make a joke about it. And or Exactly, exactly. Um, in a great way, in a, in a, in a great way. Um, and so jokingly I will say bears. Right, because bears are worthy of being afraid of. We were just watching a TV show last night on a History Channel about a woman uh, who was in this uh, survival contest thing where they had to spend 30 days alone in the Arctic, and they were given no tools, no shelter, no nothing, no tarps, no knives, no nothing. And they, the, the producers of the show pre-shot and killed a moose and then left the moose there and said, you have 30 days to survive. And they had to figure out how to make knives out of rocks. That probably the only person in the room that knows how to do that is Brian. And, and so they, they had to make knives out of rocks and, and butcher a moose with rocks so that they could have food and, and, and making fire, all of that. And so they have all of this meat, three, 400 pounds of moose meat. And she's sleeping in this shelter made out of pine boughs under a tree. And... There are bears. And, and so she doesn't have a gun. She doesn't have bear spray. She, doesn't have, she has maybe the lights on her camera and the fire that she has to keep going all the time, 24 hours a day, because it was, this experiment was not a uh, one versus a, a group. They dropped three people off, and they had to all work together collectively to harvest this deer, build shelter, make fire, and survive for 30 days. And the big, burly uh, survivalist from Ohio got a cold and tapped out the second day. <laughs> I have to go home. Boo-hoo. And so now it's just a guy and a girl left. And then they get to, like, day seven, and other big wilderness bearded survival guy says, I miss my kids. Boo-hoo. And I have to go home. And so now the woman is left alone to survive for 30 days. She doesn't know how to build fire. And so she has to 
do everything that she can because if the fire goes out, she's done. Because Bearded Survival Guy is the only guy who could make fire without any tools. And so she's got to keep the fire going. And, and so she's in this shelter made of pine branches, not logs, twigs and branches. And in her shelter, she has the dried meat that smells like moose and a bear. Terrifying. Bears can be, they're very cute and they're very cuddly and, and they, they carry around pineapples. Um, but they can be terrifying. And, and so there are these, these moments sometimes when, when we're hiking in the Adirondacks where that is a very real thing, being bear aware that you know what's going on. And so I'm sitting there in my hammock and, and I'm jokingly, my wife will say, what's your greatest fear? And I will say bears. And, and sometimes it's a joke and sometimes it's very serious because um, if you've ever met a bear, it is not fun. Um, and as I'm sitting in my hammock and I'm looking at the Big Dipper and I'm just kind of letting God kind of do some real deep healing in my heart. All of a sudden, I hear, it was almost like a conversation, not almost, I was having a conversation with the Lord. And, and I heard the Lord ask, what do they, what do they call that, that constellation? And, I, and I'm like, well, it's, it's the Big Dipper. And he goes, no, no, what's it really called? And I said, well, it's, its official name is Ursa Major. Ursa Major, what's that mean? The Great Bear. The Great Bear. And so it comes in a, in a, a combination. So you have the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper, and they kind of sit. Um, the, the Big Dipper is kind of like the, the pot like this that, that faces up. And then the Little Dipper is, is backwards, and it's kind of a, another pot that goes like this. And the, the tail of the Little Dipper, if you take, this is your astronomy lesson for the day, if you take the, the last two stars in the cup and draw a straight line up, it points to the last star in the handle of the Little Dipper, and that star is Polaris. That's the North Star. So you have Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, the Great Bear and the Little Bear, and, and the, the Great Bear is pointing towards true north. Right? And so I felt like the Lord said, you know, Rob, you are, you are always joking about being terrified of bears. And, and, you know, sometimes you're serious and sometimes you genuinely have been in an encounter with a bear that is terrifying. And there are all kinds of bears in our lives that scare the boogers out of us whether that's a health fear or a relational fear or a whatever, that, whatever your bear is. And I felt the Lord say, Rob, uh, you don't need to be afraid of the bear because when I see you, you are the bear. And I'm calling you to point people to the true north. That's who you are. Right? And so I was just kind of like, I was just, I'm, I'm a mess in my hammock in the Rockies as I have this, this, this epiphany of, of God's truth in my heart. So I come home from the Rockies and I'm telling this story to my wife and uh, talking and sharing and, and unloading. And, and I have this thought, there's a movie about a bear, isn't there? I, I should check that out and... 
And so it's one of those, not the, not the uh, National Geographic or the Disney bears of the actual bears, but there's this movie called Brother Bear about this boy who becomes a bear. And he's not just any kind of bear, right? Because in, in the movie, he his and, and again, we are not promoting uh, animism uh, or spiritism or uh, familiar uh, animal spirits in any way, shape, or form. In the story, as in the Native American culture, he gets his totem that says, this is who you are. And his totem is the totem of love. The bear of love. And he hates it. I don't want to be the bear of love. And his brothers make fun of him. And he goes through this whole thing. And there's this incredible journey where he understands how love shapes everything else. It shapes every part of who he is. Even to the point where he has a choice. Uh, and it's, this movie has been out for a very, very long time. So if I tell the ending, I don't want to see anybody like, oh, you spoiled it. It's your own fault if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. Go watch it. Um, at the end, he has a choice. Do I stay a bear or do I get to go back to being a human? And it's just this beautiful moment in the story. As we look at the fruits of the Spirit this, uh, over the next nine weeks, so we've kind of, kind of been leading up to how do they work, right? And, and what's the difference between rotten fruit and good fruit? And whose fruit is it anyway? Because it's not our fruit. We're not trying to build this up within us so that I can be a better person. It's all His fruit. And without His empowerment, none of it matters. And and so what do we do with that fruit? And and how how do we allow His fruit to grow? And so today, we are going to unpack the first fruit in the the fruits of the Spirit. um, And that's the fruit of love and what i what is amazing we the word the greek word there in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 when it says the fruit of the spirit is love it's the word agape which we're all familiar with right that because there's different kinds of words for love and when we use the word love there are so many different things that we connect that word love too, right? We love your family. It's a good one. It's a good one. We love pizza, right? We, no, no, that's good. It's, it's, it's okay. She says family. He says pizza. You can have a conversation later. right? But we use love for pizza as the same, as, same as we love family or that we love football or we love comic books or we love baking or speaking of baking um, my aunt Cheryl and my niece um, made chocolate you are love lollipops for everyone since we are we're doing love today and so there's baskets of these the regular basket the big rectangular basket over there is regular milk chocolate and then uh, there are no dark chocolate ones left um no, I'm just kidding. I already pulled mine out. So if you're a dark chocolate fan, um, those are right there. And uh, she asked me like weeks and weeks and weeks ago, uh, can I do this? I'm like, yes, absolutely. And uh, just another way to remind you this morning that your love, that his extravagant love is, is endless. 
fish and the loaves? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, actually, this is way more people than we were anticipating today. Um, So Toby and I, as we were kind of getting ready for this, he and I were in the car uh, on the way to the doctor uh, when he broke his nose. And I was like, hey, buddy, let's let's think through what are some uh, what are some fruits like actual fruits? And I apologize that I didn't bring the for the rest of the series. I'm going to do my best to remember to try to bring actual fruits. But if you were to come up with a fruit for the fruit of love, what fruit would you use? Strawberries? Wait, what did you say? Mashed potatoes? Is that what I heard? Passion fruit. I was like, this ear's a little plugged up, so forgive me. And again, over 50. Over 50. Passion fruit. Yeah, that was the one I thought of. Passion fruit. Say, what did you, you said mashed potatoes. Oh, you said pizza. Wow. For those of you joining us on Facebook this morning, it is just all gone haywire. Passion fruit. There we go. I said passion fruit. (laughs) Yes. Pizza is the fruit of love. It is absolutely. Peaches. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I like the idea of strawberries, though. Uh, especially because, you know, right now, I, well, they're probably all gone. At one moment yesterday, there were chocolate fro- chocolate-covered strawberries in our house that Jessica made, and I'm pretty confident they're all gone by now. I didn't get one, so apparently I'm not loved. Um, I don't know what that means. But if, if, the, if love was a fruit, it might be a strawberry, um, and not just because it's red and, and it's typically associated with love, uh, what, I, what I love about strawberries is they always grow in little bunches. They always grow kind of in these, these collective groups. And uh, there's actually a, a tool that the, in agriculture that it's uh, a practice called companion planting that they will uh, close plant different kinds of plants that will enhance and protect those plants so that when they grow that they're protected from uh, other um, animals that will eat them or from pests that may destroy them. And so there are these plants. uh, One of them is called borage, B-O-R-A-G-E, or otherwise known as starflower or bush beans or caraway. And when you plant those near each other, there's some natural synergistic defenses that happen that allow those strawberry plants to thrive. It's kind of cool. Now, there are also those kind of people because we don't always get along. There are times where there is uh, conflict in, in our lives. If you plant strawberries and cabbage, they will actually create a turf war. Like they will fight against each other, which I thought was kind of interesting too. But honestly though, at the end of the day, don't we all want to be planted next to someone who encourages us and protects us and, and, and helps us to flourish and grow? That's cool that even in, in nature, God's using this picture of, of love. The fruit of the Spirit, all of these things as, as we go through them over the next few weeks, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they all start right here today with love. Love is the foundation uh, it's the first thing, and, and if you were looking at a, a cluster of, of these fruits, 
it would be the first one uh, that, that all the other eight can be put in terms of love. Check this out. Love, or joy, is love exalting. That when you're experiencing joy, it's joy in itself is love just rejoicing. Peace is love in repose. Peace is love at rest. Patience or long-suffering is love on trial. Right? Gentleness is love in society. That I'm expressing love to others through gentleness. Goodness is love in action. My, I'm Antrell, I'm just going to brag on you today. Um, she made up these cards that say, God loves you. And on the back it says, an intentional act of kindness just for you. And, and she made up these cards and then periodically, just randomly, she will buy someone a cup of coffee and no strings attached and, and give them this card that just says, God loves you. Right? That's goodness. Love in action. Faithfulness. This one's good. Faithfulness is love on the battlefield. Battlefield of your marriage. Battlefield of your family. Battlefield of ministry. Faithfulness is love on the battlefield. Gentleness or meekness is love at school. That it's love in the learning. Learning how to be gentle and meek. And then self-control or temperance is love in training. So it's love all the way. It's love on top. It's love at the bottom. It's love in the middle. It's all the way down this whole list of, of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the thing that holds it all together for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. Love is the root of all of it. Love is what keeps us connected and abiding in the vine so that when, as we are connected, as we've talked about, how, do we, how does this fruit get produced in our lives? It's because John says in John 15 that Jesus is talking about how if, we're, if we remain, if we abide, if we stay connected to the vine, that we, the branches, will naturally bear fruit. Not my fruit. It's his fruit. I don't get to take credit for it. I didn't make it. I don't I don't I didn't come up with it. I in my own strength I don't have the ability to do it. Love is that selfless giving, devoted love of God and others. It's an active display and it compels us to put others' needs above our own. It honors others. It celebrates truth no matter how difficult it is to hear it. It gives of self, of self, even when it doesn't feel like it. Love doesn't allow feelings to dictate its choices. Love is hopeful, persevering, and trusting. 
loving people keep hatred and apathy and self-preservation far from them. Amen? So this love, yeah, we, we need to, to unpack it a, a little bit more. And, and I, I love this. Here's what love is. Love is slow to suspect. That means it's quick and quick to trust. That when we are, when we are operating in His love, our first instinct is not, I don't know. Love is slow to reprimand and quick to forgive. Love is slow to belittle and quick to appreciate. Love is slow to condemn and quick to justify. I'm going to put these out on Facebook later. I know some of you are like scrambling to write this down. Totally okay. Love is slow to offend and quick to defend. Love is slow to demand and quick to give. Love is slow to provoke and quick to reconcile. Love is slow to hinder and quick to help. In our, our annual report um, and on our website and in and lots and lots of places over the years, we have talked about what LifeQuest is all about. And our, our mission statement is that LifeQuest is a place to discover God's love and God's purpose for your life. That's why we're here. It's why we exist. For you to discover God's love and discover God's purpose for your life. Because every single one of us has a purpose. You are not here by accident. You are not an accident. He has a design and a plan for your life, and He wants you to operate in it. And we, we discover our purpose when we truly experience His love. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, verse 18 in the message says this. It says, Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. That whole idea of journeying together. It's who we are. It's why we are as a church. That we're in this together. A bunch of crazy, fruity strawberry plants all kind of planted close together trying to bring some, some love to a world that is hungry for the real thing. I, anybody like the fruity kinds of, of candy? I'm a huge, like, spree, starburst. Like, I like chocolate, too. But, like, my go-to candy is gummy, yeah, gummy bears. I, I am, I am, and again, it's my age dictates that uh, I have to have original spree, not this new spree candy. Right? Um, but there are times... There are some of those flavors. I don't know. Is anybody like banana flavored candy? You do? I don't know how we're friends. <laughs> banana flavored candy is awful. I, mean, I, I, I know. I'm sorry. It's, it's nasty. I'm with you. I'm with you. When, when, when we're talking about what love is, that, that, that it, it brings that flavor of, of life and, and renewal and strength and refreshing, um, unless you're eating banana-flavored candy. Um, just kidding. 
So what does this thing mean, this, this love? We, we need to kind of unpack it. We've talked about a lot of different kinds of things, but I want to go through three different things today as we kind of wrap up. Number one is love needs to be defined. As we've already explored, I can love pizza and I can love my family and I can love Jesus. And those are all three very different things. And, and in Greek, there are different words that they use for love, right? Because we just have the word love and it gets applied to all of those things. But in the, in the, in the Greek language, there are lots of words. One of those words is the word eros. And we use that to get the, root, the word erotic. Uh, and it's, it's that, that passionate, uh, romantic love that uh, a husband has for his wife. And then there, another Greek word for love is phileo, which means brotherly or friendly love. It's the connection that, uh, that Caleb and Josh have towards each other. It's this brotherly connection of love as, as they punch each other and say, you're a jerk. Um, but in all the best ways, right? I love you like a brother. It's, it's why the, the, the city of Philadelphia, oh, there was a hug. I missed it. Good, keep it over there. Keep your hugs over there. But Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? And so phileo is, is, is brotherly or friendly love. And then the word that's used here in Galatians 5 is the word agape. And, and it's the supreme sacrificial love. It's the love that God brings to the table. It's that love that says, I'm going to give everything that needs to be given in order for you to know what it means, what it feels like to be loved. And, and God loves us like that. And it's because, not just because he, he wants to love us, but because He is love. God is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't share love. He is love. And when you are in the, an act of, of loving someone else or experiencing that love, it's, it's like you're getting a taste of who God is. Without God, there can be no agape love. We have to be in connection with Him to receive His love, like a branch is connected to the vine so that that love can flow into us and produce that fruit. Some people have some misconceptions, though, about love, right? Some people think that love is just a feeling or a, an emotion. It's, the, it's that the, you watch the, the romance show on Netflix, and it's that they they fall in love or they have that goosebumps moment or the knot in their stomach of, oh my goodness, I think this might be love. And, and really that's just hormones and, and, and a nervous reaction to uh, an uncomfortable uh, feeling. Um, and, and we're always searching for that magical feeling. I, I remember when um, I was working full time that there was uh, one of my coworkers who like she devoured the entire Twilight book series because it was this love story, kind of, of, of this vampire who loved this human girl. And, and the, the way that, that Edward's character is written, like she, she literally, there were moments where I wondered, do you love Edward more than you love your husband? Because she would talk about Edward all the time. And it was like, you're a grown woman, um, and your husband is real. He's a human being who you said I do to and promise to love, but I hear you talk a lot more about this fake character. 
Love is not just a magical feeling. Some people think that it's something that's uncontrollable, that I just I can't control it. It, it, just, it just happens. And we can fall into it and can fall out of it. Love is definitely more than a feeling and is certainly not uncontrollable. Love is a choice. It's a choice. God chose us before the foundations of the world, before all, knowing all the mistakes that we would make in our lives, all of the choices that we would make that rejected Him, He said, I choose you. And I love you. Even knowing you're going to blow it over and over and over and over and over. I love you. In spite of it. That's the definition of what love is. And, and love has to be discovered. And so the only way that you can experience that true agape completely selfless, unconditional love is through a relationship with God. So what is, what is God's love? How do we unpack His love? His love is unmerited. He loves me and chooses and wills to love me not because of what I do, but because I am His child. And, and, and this is one of those things where it's, just, it's hard to wrap our head around that there isn't anything that you can do ever to make God love you any more. And there isn't anything that you can make God do to love you any less. He just chooses to love you, even though you don't deserve it. His love is universal. That means He loves everybody. He loves white people, and He loves black people, and He loves yellow people, and He loves, he loves us all, every ethnic group. Every one of us, because He doesn't see color. He sees this beautiful creation of people that He loves because we're not divided into different races. There is only one race, humankind. We just come in a bunch of different shades and colors. And He loves us because of that. He loves us. Universally, He loves every ethnic group. He loves, this is a hard one, He loves my enemies. He loves the weak. He loves the sinner. Uh, a, a brilliant theologian was once asked what was the greatest truth that he had ever learned. And he said, the greatest truth that I've ever learned about God, I learned uh, on my mother's knee, and it's simply this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? It is universal. It is unquenchable. It is unending. It is unchanging. It is unconditional, His love for us. There was a, a young man who was proposing to his girlfriend and he got down on one knee and he's preparing to ask for her hand in marriage. And, and he says, I know that I don't have the looks of Johnny Green and I know I don't drive a car like Johnny Green and I know I don't dress like Johnny Green, but I love you, honey, with all of my heart. Would you marry me? And she replied, uh, yes, I will marry you. But would you mind introducing me to this Johnny Green? <laughs> right? Thank God God's love is unconditional. It's not based on our clothes or our car or our bank account or our appearance. 
We've got to discover His love. When we discover His love, it then spills over and helps us find our purpose. God's love, number three, it must be defined, it must be discovered. Number three, it must be demonstrated. That we have to we have to take that love. It's not just love me, 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 me. If we really are experiencing God's love, it means it's got to come out. We've got to find a way to express that. We've got to demonstrate our love. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. And, and again, we've said this probably a hundred times before. We always use 1 Corinthians 13 in context of marriage about how love is patient and kind and is not uh, rude and is not self-seeking and it keeps no records of wrong. And, and we think that that is a beautiful picture of how a husband should treat a wife. Uh, and it is. But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it is in the context of church division and conflict. And that 1 Corinthians 13 is about how you're supposed to treat that person that sits on the other side of the room from you at church who drives you crazy. That love is not rude. And love is not self-seeking. And love is not, uh, uh, doesn't hold grudges. Right? That's what love is. It has to be demonstrated. Love is patient. It's that love that turns the other cheek and goes the second mile because God has been patient with us. Sometimes we forget that. right? When someone else is driving us crazy and we don't want to love them and we don't want to be patient with them, we have to have that reminder of how many times have I blown it with God and He is patiently and with gentleness and with with relentless passion, pursued me no matter how many times I mess up. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's a practical kind of love. Love is secure. Love is well-mannered. Love is active. Don't feel your way into acting love. We, we choose our actions, and those actions determine our feelings. So, as we kind of wrap things up, it says, once love is defined and discovered, defined and discovered and needs to be demonstrated, Jesus said it this way. He said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you have love and you feel that ooey-gooey love from God. Yes, 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 Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. People will know that we're followers of Christ when they see us Loving one another. Demonstrate it. So this morning, how's your love life? Are you experiencing God's love and are you sharing His love with those that maybe are not as lovable as you would like them to be? And here's a a hard thing that we'll kind of end on. John chapter 14, verse 21 Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. We had a moment uh, a couple of months ago where uh, we had a guest in our house and uh, we have teenagers and 
asking them to do things sometimes is a challenge. And so there was a request that was made of one of my, my beautiful, loving, uh, obedient children. And um, it didn't get done. And so then we asked again. And trying to be as nice as possible, give them the benefit of the doubt that I asked them. Maybe he, they, he, she didn't hear. Didn't hear what I said. And so I give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't hear. So I'll just say it again. Maybe I'll have to say it a little bit louder this time. And, and now we've gotten to the third time that we have asked this beautiful, uh, kind, and generous individual to do what we've asked. And, and you know that you're in trouble when you throw out the full name, right? First name, middle name, last name. And, and so the, uh, it, it is now we're no longer asking. We're no longer being nice. Now it is just the command. Tobias, obey. <laughs> and the guest that was in our house said, Is, is Toby's middle name Obey? And we were talking about this this morning, like, man, you know, it's not that hard to go downtown and change that middle name. That what were we thinking that Obey probably uh, would have worked? That when, when we have received his love, we have a responsibility to obey his commandments. That he says, look, I'm not loving you just so that you can feel all warm and fuzzy. I'm loving you so that you can go out and be my hands and my feet. And you've defined it. You've understood it. You've discovered it. We understand what it is and how it applies. Now we've got to go and demonstrate it. This morning, LifeQuest obey His love. And be His hands and feet this week. Pray. I'm going to invite us to pray in just a moment. And and we're going to close in inviting the Holy Spirit. Because it's not your love. And it's not my love. It's His love. This is His fruit made manifested and real in our lives that I can't do this in my own strength. There are people that I don't want to love. And he says, I don't care that you don't want to love them. I love them, so you love them. And we need to obey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your empowerment to love Because in our own strength, we don't have enough. At the end of the day, we run out. We are tired. We are exhausted. We've given everything that we think that we can give. But your love is eternal and extravagant and never-ending. And as much as we love that, you lavish that on us. Lord, we need your empowerment to be that love to our spouses and to our kids and to our co-workers that drive us nuts, and to our neighbors. Lord, I pray that this week that the fruit of love, the, the, found, the foundation, the thing that, that binds all of the other things that we'll talk about over the next nine weeks, that you would help us to discover and experience your love. That we would be people who have experience your love so that we can discover your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Happy Palindrome Day, if you didn't know.
Uh, it is 0202-2020. Uh, it's also Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so en- enjoy, the, enjoy the rugby match this afternoon. Um, and it's also Groundhog Day, so we'll be doing this over and over and over again uh, until somebody figures it out. All right. Blessings. Have a great week.